right, check one, check two, this is it. Welcome to the Cannabis Coffee Hour. With your host, me, Rob Cantrell, coming to you live from Dunkin' Donuts with a with a good friend and a guest in a strange statue, but this is for the audio, so we can get, I don't want to talk it up, but we're at a Dunkin' Donuts in Brooklyn in a backyard, and I have an awesome guest, a dope guest. He has a show on Adult Swim uh, that we're going to talk all about. I want you to give it up for Joe Para. Thanks, bro. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the Cannabis Coffee Hour. Joe Para. Joe Para talks to you, and I'm a big fan. Thanks, yeah. Further, I'm sorry, I hope nobody's disappointed that I'm not uh, actually high this morning. Got, mm -hmm. got a busy day, but uh, yeah, we wouldn't, uh, maybe another time. Yeah, another time, Joe. I totally get it. You are doing press, and you've been too cool to do this for me. He's talking to CBS, NBC. <laughs> He's talking to satellites around the world, and he went to a little Dunkin' Donuts in Brooklyn, New York, in this backyard with a Jesus statue behind us. Uh, and we're enjoying a cup of coffee. And yeah, you don't have to smoke herb, Joe. I know you're cool, man. I've always known you're cool. <laughs> uh, the only Joe, interview that matters, though. <laughs> yeah, today is the only interview that matters. Uh, now, Joe has uh, got this great show on Adult Swim that I want everybody to check out because it's the third season. And when you get into the third season, that means they like you. <laughs> yeah, they've been really nice to us so far. Yeah. yeah I really feel very lucky. Now, the show is amazing. Joe, you're a comedy, and I've seen you very early on here in New York, and you're a sweet guy and funny guy. And, but you've always taken kind of a nicer approach to comedy and almost more of an aesthetic feel. Would I say, is that right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I think about it a lot in stand-up and then how it translates to the show. Yeah, it, there's a feel to it that it feels warm, whether it's a shot of a fireplace or of a garden, it kind of gives you this uh, just real authentic, feel that it just looks great on camera like uh and I, we were talking earlier about filmmaking and i'm totally getting into uh just being a little bit more educated on how to knock things out now did you go to film college like in college did you go to college film yeah i went to uh, the uh, ithaca college and it was uh yeah it was good it's definitely not like a nyu type thing where you're getting or like you have budgets for movies. It was a lot of me and Dan Licata doing a public access station at college and trying and to Ithaca. do comedy shorts. Yeah, yeah. And it was, um, yeah, taking out big, uh, uh, you know, reserving a camera once a month. That's a, a like a enormous, but uh, does video quality the same as our cell phones do now, if not worse. I know. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, but it was a lot of just, um, yeah, I like the courses and I, I had good teachers, but I think doing public access and making ideas with Dan is what really... I know, when you talk about college to kids and uh, or talking to young adults, like to go into the entertainment business or go into comedy, go into filmmaking, you can spend a lot of money and get an education, but the best education is actually doing it. Yeah, the director of the show, Marty Gausbo, he went to University of Iowa for film, and he, I think he said he didn't go to like many classes at all, but he, on his own, would do like, uh, like self-produce like his own sketch show each week for a period of time where he, you know, almost like SNL, he would write, shoot it with buddies and edit it and have it out each week. And you know who knows if anybody watched it, but just the reps of doing that—it's like a op open mics for uh, for video. And, and yeah, film. yeah. So I think that that kind of like, uh, yeah, I like that approach. Like, yeah, take what you can from your classes, but that's more what it's about. 
And, but the good thing about college is it is a kind of a place where you can fall on your face and nobody's watching. And you got to play with great equipment, like, you know, TV, studio equipment. That's some of those, I worked at a college radio. I remember all of that. The thing about film was it was a little bit more expensive. I was like, English, I was like, I'm not buying all, this is back when you had to process film and shit. So you're, it would cost more to be a film major. So I switched over to being an English major because yeah. books were cheaper. But nowadays, like with this phone, we're shooting this, and this is like total HD. Uh, Joe has a black, we should get into coffee, but we went right into filmmaking. <laughs> uh, but uh, Joe has a great black cup of coffee. And so, yeah, you started out, you and Dan Licata. And Dan Licata, I know, is also, uh, he was a writer for SNL, he was a writer for your television show. But you guys kind of did a lot of independent shows here in Brooklyn and started in Buffalo. Did you do comedy in Buffalo? Yeah, we, we they had a stand-up club at school, which we did. And the, But then, like, you know, it was like the true test when you go to come back and go to the open mics in Buffalo. And that was, um, you know Matt Wayne? Yes, I do know Matt Wayne. Great comic, Matt Wayne. I love every, I got a fondness for Buffalo. He was such a... Uh, he's such a nice guy, but uh, uh, yeah, Dan, it was like very intimidating figure because he was like, you know, he was like the cool guy in the Buffalo scene. So it was really cool when we first, uh, the first few times we did actual, you know, real open mic in Buffalo. And, uh, you know, Matt, you get the nod for Matt Wayne and, uh, you know, he did something right. And yeah, it was, it was fun. Yeah, Matt Wayne isn't a hack. You kind of need somebody around in those early days that's just like, okay, I'm not just gonna let bullshit go through in terms of giving you props. So I'm glad he did. And you guys, uh, you guys all, did you work as a pair on stage when you first started doing stand-up, you and Dan Licata? Occasionally, we would do bits together. Um, he had a guitar which he used early on. Oh, uh, yeah, it's probably stuff would be embarrassed for, to be seen now, but it was like um, I feel lucky in terms of like doing that at school and doing the video at school. Gave felt like it got like a lot of the bad stuff out of the way at least, or a portion of our bad work out of the way, so that we kind of already knew some pitfalls and like stuff you shouldn't do before we started here so it was like four years of that at school helped i think a lot yeah before coming new york is so brutal in terms of there's just so many people doing it and there's just it's just this place is just chaos <laughs> but in the best possible way in terms of there is a lot of uh people just going for it and that kind of creates this energy of uh making things happen and uh, you guys made something happen. You sold your show to Adult Swim. How did, uh, and not to go too deep into any type of details, we don't want to bore them, but how did you, uh, how did you sell your show to Adult Swim? It started with the, um, I did an animation, Joe Parrott Talks You to Sleep, and they had the If anybody has any sleeping problems, check out Joe Parrott. Actually, it's another cool, aesthetically pleasing, like, uh, it's just these, uh, you just things are just uh, visually appealing and sounding. I appreciate that you use the word warm. Some people in interviews like it's positive comedy uh, that you do, and I don't. I think positive. It kind of. Um, I don't think it's. I definitely don't aim to do positive comedy if it happens, but I'd like to... I, yeah, if you're hanging with Dan Licata, he's got like <laughs> chainsaws coming out. <laughs> yeah, I think that warm is a better description because it's a... You can still kind of be grounded and realistic while coming across as warm. Like, I don't know, I, I'm highly influenced by my grandparents and like, yeah, they the way that they casually talked about death or all the stuff that they've been through, you know, you know, World War II, depression, being hungry as a kid, like they would talk about it, but it still kind of came across as warm. And yeah, positive sounds uh, kind of, uh, yeah, it gives it like a, it's, it's, yeah. I love that. No, 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 I totally vibe on what you're saying because yeah, positive, I always say, oh, you gotta be positive. And there was a time where I was, you, a lot of people are talking about positive thinking and stuff like that, but the real truth is 
is that not everything's positive and bad things do happen. And that's a part of life is like the dark and the light, the good and the bad, but it's always moving forward. And if, as long as you're alive, you really don't have much to complain about. I agree. Yeah, so, and that's where the warmth comes in. It's like when the coldness comes in, and sometimes you've got to be cold. <laughs> when the coldness comes in is when you kind of just block, you know, your spirit, you're blocking pretty much uh, who you are out to the world. Um, so yeah, I, I, I get it with comedy, it's a little bit tricky because uh, you're going for laughs con constantly. And sometimes, you know, being cold is funny. <laughs> oh, def definitely. Yeah. yeah. with that. I'm yeah. switching to cold coffee. It's weird. It's 46 degrees. We're touching on, when you start messing with 30s, that's when you're like, uh, you know, because 32, that's, that's the button. That's when you got you don't have a choice but to switch to hot coffee. Yeah, because it's yeah. freezing out. Because once, once you got to get uh, an ice shiv for your car on the window, <laughs> once you got to do, and I know you know what I'm talking about, Joe. Uh -huh. have, you, have you cleaned off some window shield? What's, what is that piece? The ice pick that you clean windows with the cars. Call it a window scraper, I don't know. That's it, it's yeah. a window scraper. Uh, yeah, I had uh, a beer. Yeah, and I'm having iced coffee and you're having hot black coffee. Now, do you enjoy, you're doing this for the show and we're here at Dunkin' Donuts, which is, I would say, top notch. If you're gonna go Starbucks or Dunkin', I know you're in showbiz, so you don't wanna lean, I don't wanna, blow your spot up. No, it's fine. I always, if they're next to each other, I always choose Dunkin' Donuts. There's yeah. a, yeah, st yeah, I don't know. I don't know, all Starbucks coffee has that same flavor and it's very strange. There's no other flavor, I don't know how you would describe the flavor of Starbucks coffee, but it just is like, has a little artificiality to it. Yes. This is the real deal, though. This is, this is the diner 25-cent coffee pretty much put into mass production and selling at $3 a piece. Uh, but no, I love, I, I, if, if I have to go, if they're right next to each other, but I will say that I like those frozen treats, the frozen coffee at Starbucks. If I go really, give me a frappuccino, yappa dappa, zappa, give me the caramel cookies. But if I'm just going straight coffee and I'm running and going in, I got a bag of munchkins. Oh, nice. And, uh, and uh, I got some straight up cold brew. But yeah, I do, I do uh, enjoy all coffee. I'll have a black, I'll have a sweet. Do you do sugar when you do coffee, or do you do milk, or nah? Not usually. Uh, yeah, I'd rather have a, kind of like, have a, a sweet on the side, kind of like we're gonna do. Yes, yeah. we have so. glazed munchkins here, and uh, that is the sugar on the side for the coffee. Yeah, I like it. I'll do cream uh, uh, in my coffee sometimes. It's kind of in the afternoon, if you want something a little easier on the stomach, it kind of helps. Yeah. But that's about, that's about it, black in the morning usually. Black in the morning. And, and, and when you're at home, do you do a French press or do you do the Chemex? Are you onto some Chemex or are you, <laughs> or you got a coffee bait? This is a French press usually. That's what I do. It ensures I don't drink too much. Mm -hmm. There was a time period that, uh, you know, Dan Makata and I were living with Tomas Delgado, and somehow, I think I had been let go from a job. Dan wasn't working at the time, and then Tomas quit being a lawyer, or his law job. Tried out. He was writing at a law journal. So there's a, a great moment in time where we would all be in our tiny apartment and uh, we just make like pot after pot of coffee and go like nuts and we all be writing and uh, yeah, but I can't believe how much coffee we drank back then and like <laughs> it go completely insane. Uh, being a starving artist and being up and down in uh, comedy, I do, I have been in those situations and the thing about coffee is you can run a good, you don't need a full meal. No. You can do, if you're running on hot coffee, if you're running on coffee, you can go by with a meal and a half a day. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, sometimes that's good. Do you do three full meals or are you splitting it up these days? Uh, depends. I usually like a little breakfast. Uh, uh, but. Uh, uh, yeah. Are you going bacon and eggs in the morning? Or I'm a smoothie guy. I got the peanut butter and banana shake. You're telling me. That sounds really good. Oh, the liquid Elvis. You know all <laughs> about it, my man. All I do is talk about it. Uh, it's one of my favorite things is a banana, peanut butter, turmeric, and uh, cinnamon honey shake in the morning. Wow. With oat milk. Yeah, I do that. And now I'm into this stuff called uh, collagen. I got this fish collagen. <laughs> and I put that in, and the collagen, people will be like, Rob, are you Botoxin? No. <laughs> collagen is actually like this gooey stuff that's in plants and then in fish, and it builds up cartilage in your knees and your elbows and yeah. your stuff. Have you felt the difference since you started putting 100%. it in? 100%. That's awesome. 100%. My nails, like my nails were turning yellow. They were getting kind of vampire-y. <laughs> as soon as I started pumping some collagen, my nails are rocking. The gray started disappearing a little bit. But I don't care. I'm ready to get old, and uh, I love bird watching. And really? Yeah. You know, I love all, all the stuff old people love. I love. I love honeycomb. I love eating honeycomb. <laughs> I love antiquing. For the, I'm sure your listeners already know, but this is you're talking about real honeycomb, right? Yeah, real Not honeycomb. honeycomb cereal. Honeycomb cereal is all right, but no, yeah. I'm talking real honeycomb. If you get the real deal, like with the super bees, yeah, and eat the wax. My mom taught me to eat the wax. Yeah, you were telling me. I love that idea. You put it, the whole thing right in tea, right? Oh yeah. Well, there was this honeycomb. Oh, the, I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. We could talk about that. The sun-made hemp tea that I made. I told Joe about it because I knew he would be hip into this. That was another thing my mom would do, would make sun iced tea. And so I got these, these I told you, man, my it's dudes, awesome. my Amish, these Amish farmers gave me this Amish hemp and I made this sun tea. I put it out in the, in, in the I put it in a glass mason jar and then I had a filter and I put a bunch of black tea, a bunch of hemp tea, and then a big glob of honeycomb and I just had it melting in the sun, and then I put it, poured it over ice. I made my own spritzer. Sounds incredible. <laughs> it sounds so good. It was good. <laughs> it was good, I have to say. A good iced tea in the afternoon, because uh, coffee in the afternoon is great, but sometimes if you rock too much coffee and then you hit an afternoon coffee, you know, it could be the, it could shut everything down. <laughs> I hear you. Sometimes I'll take that afternoon coffee and want to go to sleep. It's really weird. I don't know the, what's going on, but... Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. How's your sleep these days? Mm, could be better. Yeah, you got this big television show. It's, it is tad stressful to do that stuff when the stuff starts rolling out big. Yeah, I mean, I really do think it's, I mean, I drink coffee in the afternoon because of the work for the show, but I also think it's because of that afternoon coffee that keeps me up a little, or makes the sleep worse. Yeah. Yeah, also that and video games. I got. <laughs> I got a, uh, yeah. Uh, what are you messing with? What are you playing with? I did Red Dead real big during uh, during the, the past year, but now uh, kind of that we're finishing up, I felt that it was okay to uh, get Zelda for my girlfriend's Switch. Oh, so nice. So she's nice to lend it to me, but like, uh, yeah, I've been, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, it takes a lot of time, and I've been, yeah, probably playing a little too late at night. Red Dead. Is that the Red cowboy Dead. one? Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, you, you're a cowboy out west, and there's, mm -hmm. there's zombies, and then you just blast them up? Uh, no, no zombies that I, I think they might have done a version, but it was there's all sorts of missions. You go to the south, you go to the west, you go to Mexico even at one point, I think, or ver the video game's version. It's really great. And, like, I don't know, during some of the worst... Uh, moments of the pandemic when you're just like stuck and you know watching the news and it's like what do I do I would find myself like just there's this mountain area in the video game and I would uh, with like deep snow and a big animal and I would just ride my horse around the mountain oh. and it sounds really sad and maybe uh, not the best way to cope but it was like if I'm stuck in New York without like true nature like it, it felt no, the graphics these days are amazing, and again, in riding a horse and the sound too, yeah, the sound, and, and especially if you got the vibrating 
handle. No, I get you. Yeah, we were in New York during the. We, I, I, I've been here during the whole pandemic, and the darkest months is like literally they were stacking. Uh, they were at the funeral home. They're stacking out back, just stacking up caskets. So everybody just went deep space nine like i knew dudes that taped up their whole place <laughs> like really yeah i know dudes that taped their whole place i didn't really venture out much from my apartment man i literally i would i, I was i was meditating three hours a day <laughs> wow. butt naked reading the bible on acid <laughs> Just kidding, uh, but I did learn how to meditate, and uh, that was that. Like there was a point of the pandemic, I was like meditating two hours, like four, like twenty minutes. No, not two hours. I'm exaggerating. I'm doing the big fish thing, twenty minutes and then twenty minutes, twenty minutes at night. So twenty minutes in the morning, and twenty minutes at night to settle my mind yeah. to go to sleep. That makes sense. And then I was doing these stretches called the five Tibetan rites. And there's these five Tibetan straight, it's supposed to be the fountain of youth. You should check it out. It's supposed to realign your whole nervous system. And they're really simple, but it's just, you do 19 reps and it's like these back bridges and stuff. So I would do that and then I would do that. And then I would do deep knee bends with a basketball. <laughs> and uh, I'm, trying to get, I'm trying to get my, uh, my knees ready for, I worry about my knees. Knees are tricky, especially for older folks. That's I what happened know. to my mom, man. The knee, and she wouldn't get the operation, and it just all went downhill, yo. Yeah. Did you do you know he's on from uh, Wally? Yes. He was he's kind of the comedy scene adjacent. He came to a lot of shows and uh, uh, plays guitar and stuff. Uh, he's a yeah musician by trade. So. Yes, I mean, Dima's friend. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah, friends yeah. with Dima. Yeah, yeah. Dima's been on the podcast, and Dima shot my. Uh, Sublime video that I did. <laughs> That's what I, also during the quarantine, I covered what I got by Sublime. You can check it out on YouTube. That's real. I, I got to watch that. Oh, yeah, you got to check it out. I got it, but I, I'll send you the mix, but I did a, a new mix. Nice. I've been learning about mastering. I don't know about music. I don't know. I know yeah. you hang out with some, some death metal dudes. Uh, yeah. And yeah, just what's, yeah. 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 And so, yeah, with mixing and mastering, like mixing and mastering, like it can take your music to a whole other thing, dude. It's, yeah, it's an art. People, yeah, I know nothing about it, but I just know how complex it is. It's an art, and it's almost like putting the glaze, like if you're doing pottery. Mm -hmm. You ever done pottery, and then you put the glaze on? Mm, uh, no. Oh, dude. Well, you do the pot, but then you put the paint on, but then you put the glaze on, and when you put this glaze on, mm -hmm. and you put that in the kiln, it just, that's what gives it that pop, that shiny, like, oh my God, is this from Ikea? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but that's what I think with mixing mass, it just can, it can soup it up. Yeah, it's crazy. I, uh, every, we do, I go to all the sound mix sessions for the show, and it's really fascinating how, like, um, um, just adjusting, there's so many aspects of the human voice and the way that it's recorded. I don't understand it all, but I learned that certain adjustments are made. Lines aren't as funny anymore. I don't know why. It's like, you know when, I don't know, you're pretty particular about how you speak on stage and you form the words. Like you have a very distinct sound to your voice. And I, I mean, it, it helps the jokes, and I feel like I don't understand like all the aspects of it, but I do know that like if you take like uh, some of the harder consonants out, which they can adjust, it's like magic. But they, they can adjust the consonants and like how much uh, resonance it has, and it's really interesting to observe that like the humor level goes up or down based on how. It, like more mumbly a line is or uh, how sharp the pronunciation is and it's like very because if it goes too far yeah it's just you don't think about it but everything on the film has been kind of color adjusted or the sound has been just uh, sharpened and it's interesting to think how much uh, it takes or how little it takes to make a human voice sound unnatural and yeah that David Byrne book about music and he had an interesting section on like 
when the telephone company uh, was first coming up with the or developing some kind of technology, they had to figure out like how little qual, qual how low the quality of a voice could go while still understanding that it's somebody's voice. And because uh, they're processing it through electricity, yeah, yeah, and going through the the telephone the telephone line, like what's the minimum we can carry it, and have yeah. it sound normal enough that people don't get weirded out by it. It's not full on CB. <laughs> right, right, because imagine trying to talk to somebody on the phone like that. It's so, uh, it's really fascinating to think fascinating. about. Fascinating, you're right. Uh, and the same thing with music, how they can clean up your voice and like you're saying, like smooth the edges out or if something comes, and I think with comedy, what you were talking about, sometimes I, I do pronounce stuff, but sometimes I'll listen to it. I'm like, why am I sounding so aggressive? You know, yeah. like I can, comedy happens good when people are chill. And I always like to, I always like the juxtaposition between loud, you know, Led Zeppelin. I like, you know, I like quiet, I like loud in my art. I like it small. I, I want to see it all. I want to see it movement. Yeah. Um, but uh, with sound, yeah, I could see like getting a line to go softer or underneath it getting a laugh where if it's on top of something or if it's kind of spitty or you know they can clean up all that all that stuff yeah yeah it's really interesting and comedy's just jokes mm -hmm. at the end of the day so you really if a scene plays whether it's a joke said out loud or whether it's a visual joke you really just want to see that play out and, and show that and try to get to that <laughs> and that's what keeps it moving yeah so if just like lines get too uh, dulled down or they go, you know, they, anything gets weird. People, I think they won't maybe be able to pinpoint it, but, uh, but they'll know that something is wrong or not as funny. It's interesting. I, you know Daniel Simonson, right? I do. I was just, I, it's so incredible the way that he uh, works on stage uh, just because his voice is so I don't know I, he's yeah. a thick German accent no Russian I'm sorry uh, Russian Norwegian Norwegian yes it's Norwegian yeah but he pronounces everything and he's very because it's his second language I do think he's very particular on what he's trying to convey yeah whereas we just go with you know we're Americans so I'm just feeling and I'm just spilling. Yeah. He has to, you know, articulate and actually, you know, and in, in the beginning you do he's a very set up and punchline, great comic, set up and punchline guy, that it's almost like architecture in a way of yeah. the words. Yeah. But the sound of his yeah, and the sound of his voice is so specific to him that it's uh it's like nobody could get away sometimes just saying a sentence and being as funny as he is. Yeah. So it's yeah. I don't know. I wish I knew more. Oh, you do. Of it. Uh, but you have a great voice and a great tone, and it's very uh, warm and quiet. And comedy's such an over-the-top thing that, yeah, it must have been a struggle to come up in some of these stand-up rooms where you're like, oh, you gotta, they always go, you, you gotta kill, you gotta kill. <laughs> and I always liked that term, and I always dug that term, but lately, as I get older, this is a new meditation thing. Mm -hmm. uh, the universe will never open up for you if you have the will to kill completely. Interesting. Yeah. And I do think people have the will to kill. A lot of people have anger in this will to like cause violence. It's just it's basic animalistic type of thing. Yeah. But, uh, but I do think like if just being more relaxed and being more chill in the moment real, real, real funny shit happens, you know? Yeah, it's just, yeah, that's interesting. I have to think of him now. Uh, the will, yeah, that, that, that yeah. one went a little too spiritual. I tried to do, yeah. I tried to go, we got, we, got, we got a Jesus pit behind. I go a little spiritual, but my new thing with spirituality and comedy, Joe, is like, once you start talking about comedy, it stops being funny. Yes, that's kind of like with, when you get into the, the same with the sound mix. It's like once you start thinking about it or, uh, yeah. Yeah, you start to lose the magic of it. And I think even that, in, even in spirituality sometimes, I think people get so religion and everything and you're talking about it and you're not really living it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and how wonderful life really is and 
that uh, we're at this Dunkin' Donuts and we have this outdoor backyard and the guy was cool enough to be like, I was like, I'm gonna do a coffee vlog out here. And he's like, I don't care. <laughs> and he let us do it out here. And, uh, and uh, doing creative things and getting stuff out, that's what I thought about. Do you have a, do you have a song in your heart? Joe, do you wanna sing? Uh, yeah, I do. I you do? do. Uh, I think I everybody wanna, has, there's an Italian saying, like everybody has a song, at least one song in their head. Yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. I yeah. wonder if, yeah, I wonder, yeah, so everybody has their own particular song that is a kind of, you think it's equatable in others, like a spiritual language to like your inner truth or your true self, and then yes. boil that down. I've never thought about it as a song before, but that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, yes, singing and dancing require vulnerability. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I've been tripping out on, like, who really is the tough guy? You know, is it the vulnerable guy or is it the guy being tough? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and sometimes I think the vulnerable person or the more empathetic person is, it's harder to be more positive. It's harder to be empathetic. It's because there are annoyances and you can get frustrated, but I don't know. I just think uh, uh, you gotta be uh, just a little bit positive and you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean to knock positivity. positivity <laughs> no, no, we can go negative too. <laughs> no, no, no. no, I was trying. I kind of just lost my train of thought because it's just so nice out here. <laughs> it's crazy. There are you're not gonna believe this, but there are uh, grapevines above us. Yeah, there's grapevines. This is this trippy Dunkin' Donuts that has this awesome backyard. Like, if this was a hipster coffee shop, they could totally like have bands and shit back here and a kombucha <laughs> shop in the corner. But uh, they have this weird Jesus uh, statue. I think that that's that is Jesus. I think so. Yeah, and who's he holding? No, oh. Or do you think that's Joseph and that's Jesus? Is the baby? Hard to tell. Their faces, they don't have their eyes, they don't really have their, <laughs> you can't really idea. I have seen pictures of grown Jesus with baby Jesus before. And it's, I don't know, it's a little stranger. I, I, I would like to think that's Joseph holding Jesus, as if Jesus is holding Jesus. As, uh, yeah, that's a little too much. No. No, I think that's, I think that he has a Joe vibe, I think, too. <laughs> Uh, so, and growing up in Buffalo, it does have, I mean, your aesthetic is very, I mean, it's very uh, outdoorsy. It does have like a grandpa vibe to it, which I love. I love all these things. I one of my favorite things my brother and I were talking about is like, you ever go through a town and everybody's got the chimney going? <laughs> And then you smell the chimney, like this smell of the wood. Yeah. I'm sure in those small Michigan towns that you film in, like that's kind of the vibe, right? Yeah. Uh, the further out of town, too, the more homes are actually heated by wood stoves sometimes. Yeah. I met uh, a girl last time I was up there. My friend's girlfriend grew up uh, in the Upper Peninsula, too. And she, uh, she had, uh, they cooked on a wood burning stove in her house. And she didn't realize, it took her like till she was adult to realize that they were like actually homesteading. She just thought it was like everyone, or she didn't think everybody did. She, she was just taken aback when she realized that for like 18 years of her life, everything was cooked on a wood-fired stove. It was in this town in Virginia, a lot of the houses would have that wood stove and it's either in the living room or connected right to the kitchen. It's kind of this metal cauldron that you just fill with wood and it warms up all the house, it warms up all the water, and you can cook on it, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love those things. When I started writing, or when we moved, when it came time to like make the show bigger and turn it into a series from the animation and the Christmas special, I went up for a week and I stayed in this uh, kind of old cabin uh, so I could you know, think and write and just isolate a little bit. Oh, I love it. And they had, it was not heated, so it was just, it had a wood stove and 
it was the middle of winter, so you have to wake up and uh, start. The middle of winter? Was it the Upper Peninsula or? Yeah. Oh, was, shit, was, dude, uh, you were up or, there. It was like March, uh, February to March, and it was, uh, so, so you had to, you know, you get cold in the middle of the night like old times, and uh, yeah, when you got cold enough to not be able to sleep anymore, you had to go get some logs and re-get the fire going until you fall asleep again, and it was like, it were you in this place? Nice but did you bring your girlfriend, or were you by yourself? Or was Dan in the closet? I was by myself for the first, uh, I think, five nights, and then oh, Marty, no. the director, came and joined me for the other few. Perfect. But it was, um, it was a great feeling. I mean, if you wake me up in New York at 3 a.m., it's not fun. But for some reason, there's being in a, having to when you have to get a fire start in the middle of the night and then you get a fire start and you're able to fall back asleep knowing oh. that you just did that and that you'll be okay for like a few hours. It's like the best feeling in the world. Yeah, waking up in the middle of the night's not good. Lately, there's something about the human body, like at 4 p.m. everybody wakes up. Like there's something about the full moon. Like there's something like you get this like shock and then you got to put yourself back to sleep. Yeah, it's the, like, what is it, double, the, the, the natural REM cycles are three hours or so, and yeah. That hits about that time, but one thing about that time, if you do, if I'm out in the woods, yeah, don't you love just looking up in the sky when you're out and you just see all those stars? If it's a clear night, if it's not a clear night, you're screwed. Yeah. But if it's a clear night, it looks like you're in outer space, man. Like some of these places, you are really in outer space when you look up in the sky. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's like that up there. And I remember that's when I really, one of the reasons I really wanted to set the show up there is I've come out from that cabin, you know, and there's a little stream nearby. I go pee in the stream and look oh. up and it was like, it doesn't get any better than this. No, the freest a man is is peeing in the outdoors without being. <laughs> I'm glad you agree. I think it's a feeling as good as that up there with almost anything else is just being able to pee outside on your yeah. land. Yeah, there's nothing that's the most freeing feeling, especially if you know nobody's around and there's zero shame. Yeah. And especially with water, like there is something about just peeing in the street because you know where it's going, you know it's not stinking <laughs> everything up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, man. When I, I worked uh, for a summer for these bricklayers, and we were working on this pretty large house, and uh, one fe feature that was built into the design was this, this porch off of, uh, off of the main bedroom, and the guy wanted it so he could wake up in the morning, walk out on his porch. It was kind of in a rural area, and just take a leak right off his porch and I was like that's you could do a lot of bad things with money but like that's a tasteful feature of a home that I think this, uh, uh, it was actually a good choice very good choice I agree with that and you're I worry about it because I do do it I flush and I worry about it. just flushing a full gallon of pee with the toilet you know but if I had a rose bush like two stories down below, yeah. like he could have put it like a good plant down there that would definitely get fertilized uh, uh, and hook it up, you know? <laughs> that's my, that's the most beautiful, why are the flowers so beautiful? Yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, man, that's, uh, no, but when I, when I lived in D.C. growing up, this one kid's backyard, we would have to, we would always get locked out of his mom's house. And uh, yeah. we couldn't go to the bathroom, so there was this one potted plant that we would all pee in this potted plant, but it would bloom out <laughs> it had the best flowers. <laughs> you know, because it's, uh, you know, electrolytes. We are part of nature, and nature is part of us. And uh, Was his mom aware ever that she just, curiously, this one plant? Yeah, so I think curiously, this one plant, and uh, we, you know, this is the seven, we were, I, we, I grew up like an alley cat, man. <laughs> a straight alley cat. We were pissing on everything. Uh, uh, but even that, New York is not a good pee town, because this, actually, when I, I scout this place out, hopefully the coffee won't hit you. We're at 39 minutes. We want to be like at 45, so we, I got a few more minutes with you. Um, but yeah, their their bathroom is completely shut down here. That's the problem with this one. Uh oh, 
Yeah. You're New York's from, tricky. Yeah. Yes. It was, uh, I always, for a number of years, I always looked for like a Starbucks or a coffee shop. Now, as long as it's in the afternoon, I learned you just walk right into a bar. You could even say, I'm going to order a drink in a sec. I just got, and then oh, that's maybe a that's good a lot. But bars are like the best because a lot of the times there's a lot of traffic or, you know, people hanging out. The bartender is busy. You just walk in, do your business and get out and nobody will even notice you. Yeah. I did get called out once. Really? Late night. And it was at this bar down here in Brooklyn. And the bartender just nailed me. Really? She, yeah, I was walking in. She goes, how can I help you? I go, ah, I'm just going to use the bathroom. Yeah. She goes, you got to buy a drink. And I was dead broke at the time. I was like, okay. <laughs> did you? I walked they, out. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, be, I had been that bartender before. Like, I, I knew the situation. But usually, like, here, like, I told him we were filming. I tipped, like, five, six bucks, like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'll throw it around. I get it. I've worked. I've waited tables and bar. Yeah, she just, she just, she just stuck me. She was just not gonna have it. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I, uh, yeah, that's a bummer. Yes, yeah, so people do that to you. Cause it's like, what does it cost you to let me pee here? You know, I'm not gonna like throw up in your toilet or try and sleep. And in it's the torture. It really is. It is being being able to not be because I got a I got a car now, so I'm doing this parking shit, mm -hmm. and you just get stuck in the car for like two hours looking for parking, and I gotta constantly pee, and then I'm always like pulling over and almost getting arrested because I'm peeing behind some bush somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the other night, it, it was like three in the morning, Joe. I'll, I'll tell you this one, but yeah, I was looking for parking. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it. Yeah, I just had to pull over in the middle of the street, whipped my wang down. I started peeing. I yeah. looked up. It was a church school combo that <laughs> 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 I was peeing. It was it was four in the morning. Nobody was around, and I yeah. and I prayed for forgiveness. And I and uh, <laughs> and Jesus said, "I understand you, son. I this is all natural. You know, nobody was around, and you were in that situation." Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I, on one hand, I understand why peeing out. On everywhere isn't allowed in New York because we get gross real quick. But get gross real quick. But dogs do it everywhere here. It's yeah. like, what's if it's an emergency? Yeah, I don't know that much about. I've seen people talking about a like public bathroom situation, but uh, I don't know how what the if, if they've done anything about it because it is it's it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. But uh, we'll we'll say one more thing. You're right with bars. Also, fancy hotels. Oh, yeah. Fancy hotel. Act like you got a room. Just walk in and be like, oh, yeah, I got a whole room here. That's what I'll do. I'll go right into the fanciest place and be like, yep, I'm staying here. I just put it in my brain that I'm staying here. Yeah. And then I just go right into their bathroom, and it's just always wood carved and gold plated. That is a fun way to see a lot of the cool bathrooms. In, if you're in Manhattan, yeah. just walk into, yeah. I like doing that too. Yeah, and then, but yeah, it, it's, yeah, I like doing that. Uh, I just worry about the homeless people because they do it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's hard. It's hard for everybody. You, it's, you, it's literally, you just got to accept it all and um, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you, so you filmed it in, you filmed the show. It's called Joe. Talk, Joe Para talks to you. Yep. And it's on Adult Swim. This is your third season. You filmed it mostly in Michigan. Uh, we do a lot of stuff in Milwaukee, and then we spend some time up in Michigan too, shooting outdoor stuff and the specific sites. Like, we really wanted to shoot it. Uh, they've got this uh, ski hill there called Marquette Mountain. And the. the Isn't there a university, Marquette University? That's uh, confusingly enough that I think Marquette University is in Milwaukee and then Northern Michigan University is in Marquette. Yes. So, yeah, but it's this great ski lodge, like, you know, uh, wood tables. Uh, it's an A-frame structure. It's a couple A-frame structures put together. And it's like, it's nice that it's not overly modern and it has a nice feel to it. And we got to shoot there, which I was really excited about. When you buy a house or your cottage eventually, is it going to be an A-frame? Uh, no. No. I really like them. You uh, don't, you like A-frames, but I love them. I've stayed them, but there's, the, the bathroom access is tough up top. 
that makes sense. I just the idea of flying somewhere and think, and there's a whole feeling of the roof just narrowing out. Yeah, I like being in a square, rounded shape place for something. If just that feeling of the walls coming in on you is is not, uh, it's literally happening yeah. in an A-frame. <laughs> they are falling on top of you. I see what you're saying. And I, I've been thinking about this. I am interested in architecture and spaces. I dig it all. But yeah, I, the box, and I'm getting into one-story buildings. Interesting. I like a one-story house, that Miami thing, the thing falling down, and all these super condos and all this stuff. Like, yeah. there is a big Buddhist thing that you want to live close to the ground. It makes sense. You would, I mean, you probably know there, uh, like in the Midwest, the big thing is like the one-story house and then like, that you know, pretty humble home, but then you go downstairs and there's a huge basement with yeah. a bar, and uh, it's a neat, it's a yeah, yeah, and especially if the basement, if you got the cellar door, I love a good cellar door that opens up with the, <laughs> the with the, with the, with the they don't make those, but when you got that, you could open up your basement party, yeah, you open the cellar door, then you're pretty much you could charge at the door. I've seen that happen, really, yeah, people, you could have your own nightclub right there when you got the cellar door opening up. I would give anything to go to a, a basement slash backyard party with an open cellar door this weekend. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll find it. The upstate, they're starting to do funky stuff like that. <laughs> uh, this is the Cannabis Coffee Hour, Joe. Where, where are you with cannabis? Like, we've done shows, and you think Joe's this square dude, but Joe actually hangs out with death metal dudes. <laughs> and, uh, and he'll hit herb now and then if everything's all done. It was after the show, but one time we did hit some herb and we took a subway ride and it was fun. Yeah. And we had a nice talk. Where are you with cannabis these days? Um, I, uh, it's a, yeah, I enjoy every now and then. I'm not a good at functioning while on it, so I know that everything has to be done and it's just like watching a movie. Um, yeah. Uh, Perfect. Yeah, kind of, or, or going for a nice long walk in the evening. It does go with nature. Cannabis does work with nature, and it works with, uh, yeah, safe, uh, safe surroundings and being at home. But the thing is, New York isn't the best weed town because there's so much happening. So you have to watch, you have to watch your P's and Q's, especially with these new delivery bikes everywhere. That's true, they come out, yeah. They come out everywhere. If you're ever in New York, watch out. I'm not, I like my food delivered, but there's crazy, literally electric bikes flying everywhere. And it wasn't like that five years ago. So that's what I've noticed, like, I, you gotta be an extra, you always kind of got to watch it, but if yeah. at the end of the day, I think it's, yeah, it's great. Um, yeah. What's your, what's, what's, and before we leave, I'll let you go. <laughs> if you were to smoke out and somebody was going to put on some tunes, what, what kind of tunes are you listening to right now, Joe? Mm, I got this, uh, uh, what did I, um, I saw Damien Gerardo a few weeks ago. I don't know if we know him. I love that. And then I've got this. I don't know. Singer, if songwriter, guitarist? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I got this album by Nils Fromm. Uh, I think I'm saying it N I L S F R A H M S. And I don't know that much about him, but I got this album that's all instrumental. It's actually called, I think it's like Nils Trips With You or something like that. And it's a double album of, and it's like um, or orchestral type music with some horns. Uh, and yeah. it's, um, but it's, it's not, uh, just like sound, it's, it's, uh, melodic. It, I highly recommend it. Sounds amazing. Yeah. Melodic, but it's an orchestra. Kind and he, of, yeah. He, but he, it's original music. Yes. So that's interesting. So it's original music. And do you, uh, we'll leave you, I could talk to you forever, Joe. Yeah. I know you gotta go. Likewise. Uh, this is 48. I just hit a little bit of a ball and I'll let them go, uh, my one hitter. But I wanted to say, like, do you score the music? You had that great episode with, he has a great episode that Dan Makata helped write with The Who on that first season. It's just the best, one of the, my favorite pieces of film and comedy. If you ever get, go to the Adult Swim, go check out their website. But they're, what's the name of that episode? Uh, uh. Joe Perra reads you the church announcements. Yeah, Joe Perra reads you the church announcement. It's, it's, it's fucking epic. Uh, 
Yeah, they, you guys are cranking up uh, The Who, and I know there was a thing about paying rights for that, and I know that probably wasn't cheap. Uh, do you score the music? Do you have a guy on the, do you have one of those German dudes on the keyboards <laughs> rocking out the score of a... Uh, uh, no, my buddy uh, uh, Ryan Dan, he has a, he goes by, uh, his band is called Holland Patton Public Library, but you just Google Ryan Dan with two N's, and he's done the music uh, since the, the sleep animation, and he's responsible for all kind of those uh, mellow, uh, pieces that are kind of you know help you fall asleep and he's super impressive he like taught himself how to play cello taught himself how to play the the, the, the saw like yeah as a just a he's just a really smart and creative guy who's just I'm constantly in awe of what he's doing for the soundtrack and yeah I, his music's online I definitely uh, if you're yeah yeah, I definitely Shout recommend out checking him out. Yeah, the yeah. show wouldn't be the same, nearly the same without his music. Yeah, it's a complete texture, like I said, the aesthetic, like it's how it's shot, the cameras you use, Joe, your outfits, how you talk, the pacing, everything's so well thought. And I'm amazed by you, Joe, and thank you for yeah. being on the Cannabis Coffee yeah, Hour. You blow my mind and you inspire me. You literally was this kid from Buffalo and you figured out your own voice and you did it with your friends and you got a TV show that rocks that's on TV and uh, thanks for just being on the Cannabis Coffee Hour, buddy. Thanks for the donuts and coffee, bro. <laughs> All right, anytime, Joe. Anytime. That's it, everybody. Peace and love. Trapaholics mixtapes. Mm -hmm.